forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. Although them again, we will never, never, never trust. We got another bonus on our hands, another bonus on our hands. Episode 69 of the struggle played. Let's go! that I'm starting with, right? So let's keep it going. Cause at the end of the day, sometimes I have to remind y'all where I'm from. So let me take you back to my high school days where I was making mixed CDs and I was selling them everywhere, all up and down the hallways, bathrooms, you name it. Along with Muhammad and Jesus In the Quran they call him Isa Don't think Osama and Saddam is our leader We pray for peace but the drama intrigues us all So we fall for the illusions of the beast So instead of trying to teach you show our teeth Same God, different beliefs The jab Sunday clothes, yarmulke, cool feet Same mission beneath We all trying to get to where the suffering ends In front of the most high Being judged for our sins Can't front for the most high So the struggle continues You, every beat burden tree he her and me we virtually on the same boat with the same goats on the same sea trying to stay afloat and put the devil in the yoke with a couple of god's quotes i hope abraham talked muhammad talked and moses split the sea i ain't trying to profit y'all see what i'm doing here man i love good music i do it's fire Know what the Midwest is, young and restless, but restless might snatch your necklace. The next these might jack your Lexus. Somebody tell these who Kanye West is. I walk through the valley of the shower, death is. Top floor, if you alone and leave you breathless. Try to catch it, it's kinda hard getting choked by the Texas. Yeah, yeah, and I check the method. They be asking us questions, harassing arresters, saying we pieces of like you for yeah man you see what time i'm on you see exactly what time it is that i am on thursdays will be the days where i drop bonus episodes god show me the way because the devil's trying to break me down the only thing that i pray is that my feet don't fail me now and I don't think there's nothing I could do now to right my wrongs. I wanna talk to God, but I'm afraid cause we ain't
So remember, you can follow the Struggle Play Podcast. Instagram, the Struggle Play Podcast. Twitter, struggle underscore plate. And of course, you can follow me, your one and only host, Doug, everywhere at Northside Doug. But I'm afraid cause we ain't spoken so long To the hustlers, killers, murderers, drug dealers, even the scrippers. To the victims of welfare, feel we living in hell here. Hell yeah. Now hear he, hear he, wanna see thee more clearly. I know he hear me when my feet get weary. Alright, so ladies and gentlemen, we got another bonus episode, man. I told y'all that I was definitely gonna be changing some shit up, adding some guests. You know, first year, year number one, I didn't really have no guests, had a lot of shit to get off my chest. Now, we we integrating shit, and I figured I'd go ahead and start this entire series for the rest of the winter on inviting people and having them choose songs for them to break down, because I know folks are tired of me hearing about my shit, about my heartbreak, about me being broke, about me being stressed, about me being black. So I figured I'd go ahead and bring on some other content creators. And this is the second week in a row where I have somebody all the way from the left coast. You know, it's crazy, right? Like, I'm a nigga from Chicago. You know, I don't, I don't even know what's happening here. But ever since I've lived in Vegas for about three years, going back and forth to from Vegas to L.A. damn near every weekend... Them dudes kind of integrated me. My jeans is a little bit tighter now. I ain't even. Go- <laughs> <laughs> I, I ain't even gonna lie, and I'm with it. I'm with it. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome good brother who did not have to come here, but he did anyway. Baylor, what's happening, big dog? How you doing, Chief? What's good? Yo, I'm chilling, man. So, y'all, Baylor, he is definitely a. Uh, a presence in this podcast streets all over Twitter, I see. Whether if he started some shit or just, you know, sick talking some shit or just speaking his mind. And I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for the perspective. You know, now I live in Denver. Um, it's a bit off. It's a bit weird. But I still find myself connected to folks from the West Coast. You know what I'm saying? So, Bela, if you could just please give them uh, rundown of your resume and what it is that you do. Uh, well, I go by BTG, uh, aka Baylor, aka Baylor the Great, um, the podcast president, and uh, I have two shows: BTG for President, Open Run with BTG, a part of the Rare Science Network. And yeah, I just be on, I be on Twitter having fun. I look at Twitter as like uh, just walking down the street and just talking to people. Oh you man. But anytime you see me on Twitter and I'm and I'm just um, tweeting out a gang of different musical tracks and stuff like that, I'm probably on cloud nine. <laughs> I'm probably on cloud nine, and I'm just putting the tracks out there just to see if anybody else is gonna, you know, hop on that vibe with me. Uh, but that's it, man. A, a father, a, a husband, et cetera, et cetera. You know the rundown. Oh man, definitely. Wait, so how old are you? 
37 <laughs> things. I'll be turning 38 in December. See, man, I always feel like I'm just like the, a baby in this uh, joint. I'm a whole 29, man. I ain't even touched the 30s uh, yet. <laughs> oh, hey, and once you once you turn 30, it's going to take off. <laughs> it's over. You blink, you're gonna be 30 one day, and the next day you're gonna be 36, like real quick. Bruh, man. It's it's crazy when I think about it. Cause like um our good mutual friend um Spence, he's the youngest out the crew from the views from the seven podcast, and he's older than me. And he always talk about how young he is. And then I think when I met him, I was probably about 26, 27. So it's crazy to even be knocking on that doorstep. Spence got an old soul though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like I feel like he came from another pastime. Like and they, and he just—that's not even his original body. I don't think so. With all the with all the old R and B music that he just knows the words to. Not even, not even that. The way, the way he actually now he now you want to talk about cats that be online starting stuff. See, see, he the main, he the main one, but he has a lot of knowledge. A lot of facts and strong opinions behind his content, though. So, you gotta hey, man. hey man, you know, and he stands on it. Most people oh, yeah. don't. Most people yeah. don't. You know, because yeah. uh, I remember coming up in high school when social media really started popping off. Probably MySpace age. MySpace. I was a MySpace Hall of Famer. Yeah, like top three, top five. And I was never into the socials because let's just say I was raised around a, a bunch of real dudes, you know, <laughs> before shit was called, before Chicago was called Chirac. And I remember a homie was talking shit on MySpace. And then a whole gang of them just wrote, it was like, yo, my nigga, like, we, <laughs> I see you, you see me. And then whoop, the whoop, 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 whoop. Mm. <laughs> you know, like early, early, early. Like I'm pretty sure that first that first era of MySpace for me was people getting their ass beat for talking yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, it was different. So now, whenever I have guests, I got them to do some icebreaker questions. You know what I'm saying? Just to ease the mood and the tension. So, about? so you based out of LA? Yeah. L.A. proper, like which part? Born and raised. I was I was born and raised on the east side, which is South Central. Oh, yeah. So let me ask you this: So who's the most important rapper to come out the West Coast? Nipsey Hussle. Didn't even think about that, huh? No, it's, it's I'm talking. We talking about street wise. Mm -hmm. If, if we're talking about music, of course, you can always say Snoop, Dre, Ice Cube. That's easy. Even even Easy E, he's mm -hmm. still a Hall of Famer out here. But Nipsey Hussle is probably Nipsey Hussle is L.A. And and what makes him important? Like the most important? Like what characteristics? What traits does he have that that puts him in that level? Well, the thing about it because we grew up in the gang culture and. The gang culture is probably one of the most is is probably probably the biggest trait that we have that mm -hmm. we've always had, and I'm you know I don't glorify it, but it's still a part of my culture in L.A. and so, and so knowing the history 
uh, of the gang culture and knowing how I had to deal with the gang culture when I was growing up, um, to see a cat from one of the most popular gangs that we have out here um, try to, not even try, he actually did. He just didn't complete it because his life was cut short, but he was on the road of of bringing LA to a place that it has never been before, which was uniting. Mm. And he and to see Snoop Dogg gets a lot of credit. Ice Cube, a lot of credit. Dr. Dre, etc. Easy E ha- has always gotten love. Kendrick Lamar is well loved out here. And there's a lot of other artists that we've had. But Nipsey Hussle was actually bringing both sides of the flag, like trying to eliminate the, the the all the blood that was shed in the streets he was like he was closing the chapter to that and um he he got a lot of love not just from the city but from out of state as well mm-hmm. you got to remember you know we got the staples center michael jackson is the only other person that has had a funeral at the staples center Facts. you know what i mean so and you we already know that nipsey hustle uh globally do- doesn't hold a candle to Michael Jackson but that shows you how mu- how important he was to the city mm. that he was able to get that and got a lap around the city and he has his, he got his own he got his own area named after him Nipsey Hustle Square mm. so by far is him now no disrespect to our uh, our elders or our OGs but they know it too Nah, see that's why I asked who was more important rather than the best one because I feel like you know you have rappers who are better but in terms of impact in terms of importance to their community and into the whole world hmm. I was yeah, just I mean yeah if you re- if you really think about it like Snoop has done a lot with the Snoop League and and he's opened up businesses Ice Cube has created the classic movies in the city and get, and giving people jobs, etc. Nip was actually creating jobs, stem search reset, uh, you know, all this. Yes. All of it. And he was actually bringing, man, I, is, you know about, especially in Chicago, there's certain places where you just can't walk. Big facts. If you're from another certain area. Mm-hmm. For this cat to get out, no bodyguards, you know, walking on to, you know, just walking in, walking into areas where historically he wouldn't be at by himself. And to get that amount of love, like, come on, man, he had YG speak at his funeral. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a lot, man. It's, it's a lot. Damn. So let me ask you this, since you're from um, over in that area, because I remember I was supposed to go to L.A. that week of his death. It was supposed to be, I was supposed to be in L.A. Thursday and Friday, and I was going to come back to Vegas for my homie's um, wedding. And Nip died that week. And I was actually supposed to be staying in Chris Shaw with one of my homies. So when that happened, I was like, bruh, I already know the vibes, you know, the mood and how it's going to be over there. I'm going to just cancel that. So what was the energy 
in Crenshaw at that time? I mean, I mean, Crenshaw and the whole city of L.A. It was pretty bad. Yeah, it was, it was um like I cried. I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna lie to you. I cried, and I tried not. I tried not to. I tried to hold it together. But once I I heard my sister in law, she called my wife, and I could just hear her just crying on the phone. Like just it was that big of an impact. You know what I mean? Because like I said, if you don't really understand the gang culture and how it was going out here and what we had to deal with and to see somebody that got it literally from the, from the mud, you know what I mean? Because I've met him before, but I've met him before before all of this took place. Before mm-hmm. he was Nipsey Hussle mm-hmm. and he was, you know, and he was Thundercat, like, mm-hmm. I met, you know, bumped into him a couple of times, but didn't know who he was. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then when I bumped into him, like, I think right like right around uh, his first mixtape, he was at the gym. I bumped into him. Uh, he was in there lifting with a gang of cats, and then that's when I was like, "All right, you know." So he, because he started to catch a buzz, and the next thing you know, years later, he took off. Yeah, that's crazy, man. That's how I feel about um, Chance. Um, he went to high school in downtown. I used to work in downtown Chicago and in the library, the biggest library in the city, they had a, what you call it? A new youth center where they had like five recording booths. And it was one dude who was always in the booth. (laughs) It was fucking chance. And it's crazy because you never think about how big somebody's going to be when you first meet them. You just, they're just always around. That's what I've learned, you know, like those kind of people, they're always around and next thing you know, bam, everybody knows them, you know? And uh, Nip definitely changed my, he 100% changed my whole perspective on West Coast uh, rap. Cause my dad's from New York and he would not try to put me on to anybody from the West Coast because he'd be like, them niggas don't write their own rhymes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, they don't write their own rhymes. So we ain't even going to listen to none of that. But Nip was definitely somebody who brought a lot of reality into his raps and somebody that you actually believed, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you, when you hear a cat talking about creating businesses and and and, and wealth for your family... That's a different type of gangster rap, you know, that you don't that you don't normally hear, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, and that that was also another another thing that we appreciated about him that he was trying to teach us how to how to create our own wealth. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, and, and to me, I was always listening to the music and things like that, but more so, I used to just like to sit up there and watch the interviews. Yeah. Because because they were typecast, you know, they typecast mm-hmm. gangster rappers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm like, I'm, I'm not sure how many examples that you need. I mean, when you look at Snoop and you look at Ice Cube, you look at all these cats that came from the West Coast. Mm-hmm. They made they made it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, they, never, they never changed their their personality or their demeanor, but they changed their ways as far as, you know, how they reacted to things or how they carried themselves in life. So, you know, I get it because I, I, too, at first was like, man, I'm at one point, you know, and I guess we'll get to it when we start talking about why I picked this track. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I was at a point in my life where I wasn't trying to hear none of that negative shit. So when Cass was 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 trying to put me on, I was like, look, I ain't got time for it. 
or yeah. whatever. But but then once I, you know, I had an open ear and I started to listen more, um, I was like, this is it. You know, between between Nipsey and, and K Dot, I mean, this is what we need. Nah, one hundred Nip. Um, he embodied all of the elements of hip hop, and the one forgotten one is knowledge. You know, mm, he yeah. knew he knew what he was talking about. So let me ask you this: If somebody were to tell you, "Yo, you only have to rap one verse right now," what would it be? Uh, in general, or in general, in general. Mm, wow, that's a good one. You know what I always I, I love rapping uh, Ice Cube's uh, Once Upon a Time in the Projects. That's my shit right there. You, you remember right now off top of dome? Yeah. Go ahead, spit. <laughs> He's like Once Upon a Time in the Projects. Yo, I damn near had to wreck a hole yelling through the screen though. Let me in. Big Daddy got a fifth of hen and down the sin. Baby down in two T. Hey, that shit was hard. Once upon Hey, he was one of the best storytellers next to some other people. Shout out right. to Big. Shout yeah. Out to me, but uh, one of the best storytellers of all time. No, nah, no. Nah, I, I put Cube up in there because, you know, he wrote his shit. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, 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 not only that, easy, easy, easy. Admit it. He was like, Ice Cube, right? One that I say. say so. Yeah. And, and I always say it takes a lot of talent and skill to rap something else that was written for you you know what i'm saying and it takes a lot of it takes a lot of talent to write something for somebody yeah exactly you know, that fits them exactly you know what i'm saying cardi puff easy you yep. know yeah yeah shout out to, shout out to cardi though because she definitely she got it she yeah got it. yeah she got it dre you know what i'm saying <laughs> I, you know what? You know what? Uh, <laughs> when it came to Dre, when it came to Dre and um, and Puff, it's like we we knew somebody was writing for him, but we was like, who the hell is writing this shit? You know what I mean? <laughs> the one and the one thing that they will always do with Dre is whoever he's on a song with, he will end up rapping like them. Because whether whether yo, it's Eminem yo, or yo, Kendrick, yo. And I'm like. <laughs> we know we know one of them wrote this for you, but it's cool though. You know, it's, Dre's it's, gonna go. Dre's, Dre's going down as uh, the producer god. You know? Yeah, yeah, he gets a pass one hundred percent. He definitely gets a pass at that. I just like to throw Dre in there because I just find it funny because literally it don't sound like he wrote his shit at all. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely don't. So you said you was a father. So let me ask you this. How scary is it for you to be a black father? Um, or is it scary? It's scary to be a father in general. Scary okay. to be a black father with a son, yes. With a daughter, 
it's a different type of fear. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, How so? Well, because with my son, I know I, I he has to. I I don't want him to experience which he most likely it. Well, not really. He mm-hmm. won't experience none of the gang violence because mm-hmm. we don't have them in that area. Okay. But you know, he has to deal with the things that we had to deal with, uh, which was you know immature girls, immature boys that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you know, we we just seen recently what happened with King Von. So rest in peace to him. Right. And, and it's like that little between the the teenage years and 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 the the I would say the mid twenties. That's that's a rough patch for a parent. You know what I'm saying? Because that's when they becoming they they're trying to figure out who they are and then once they get to their 20s it's like they're free that's the beginning of adulthood right there and as a black man it's like i got to worry about my son getting pulled over shit i'm going to have to worry about my daughter getting pulled over you know what i'm saying but at the same time i know my, my i'm i'm going to be worried about my son you know being in confrontations with other men because of the women that he's dating might have you know, some exes that don't know how to act or dealing with some women that he might really like, but they're no good for him. You know what I mean? Or if he wanted to date outside his race, you know, I got two youngsters right now that's, you know, their trial is pending because of a, uh, uh, a alleged rape case. You know what I'm saying? Because this white girl uh, felt embarrassed and, basically from their words lied and said that she was raped so now you know my son probably would have to worry about something like that with my daughter i lost a homegirl to domestic violence you know what i mean and and it's like as a father you just wish and hope that your 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 daughter can meet somebody uh that will be able to take care of her and love her you know what i mean because she won't be a little girl forever you know, so I mean, as as a parent, you gotta be ready, and you won't always be there, and but you want to be there. So that's the stressful, that's the frustrating part about that. And how old are your kids? I got two daughters, and I got two sons, uh, and two which stay with me: my four-year-old daughter and my fourteen-year-old son. My old, my oldest will be turning eighteen in a few, and my. Um, my other daughter, we, I think she'd be turning about 10. And those are, these are, they're getting to that age where every step is something different or something new, I should say. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. See, I asked about you being a black father because for weeks I've been telling the listeners on the show how I define my blackness, right? Um, mm-hmm. Long story short, it's really off of the knowledge that I have, okay? Both parents are educators. Went to a HBCU. Um, and during that time, I probably learned what they call that, that awakening period. You know what I'm saying? It, like literally all my professors was just a bunch of old people who literally used to pick cotton, you know what I'm saying? Because that's still a thing down south. You know, I went to Grammar State University and I always say like, I define my blackness, not off of the amount of protests that I go to or the hashtags that I post, but by literally 
sharing that knowledge, you know, on what it truly means, you know, to be black and to know who you are, where you come from and what you stand for. So how do you define your blackness? I define my blackness by my experience. Okay. Because I feel like if I was a part of any other race, then I wouldn't have experienced a black race at all. Mm-hmm. As far as, and and then even then I'm my culture like I think the the black culture is one, but there's other cultures under it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we have the overall umbrella, and then you have the West Coast. You got the Midwest. You got mm-hmm. the East Coast. You got the Down South, and then you got pockets in between there. And I just happen to be from the West Coast, from South Central, and that's my culture. At the same time, I could relate to a cat from Chicago. I can relate to a cat from New York, Miami, Mm -hmm. from, you know, from the South, from Atlanta. I can relate to these cats because even though we have different cultures with inside our cities, inside our region, we still a part of the black culture. And what have the black culture been through? We've been through slavery. You know what I mean? We've been through injustice. We're still going through that. So that's how I define, that's how I define my blackness. Like, when it, we can sit up there and have a, a weekend full of rest, just get fully rested and get ready for Monday. But as soon as Monday hit, we feel like we've been through a whole week already because this is our experience. It's like we all, we're always fighting to get to the top or whatever every day. We got to protect ourselves. We got to protect other people. At the same time, we're trying to advance in life. It's a lot, man. Exhausting. <laughs> that's why that's why that's why when we party yeah we party hard <laughs> yeah most definitely you know um because i literally just said it on um, monday's episode that now moving forward if you don't for anybody who's not black if you want to try to be in my life if you don't even bother on trying to understand who I am as a black man, because that whole, I don't see color shit, it's like dead for me. You know what I'm saying? Right. That there's, shit a is, major, there's a major difference. Yeah. I, I, w- I would say this, even being from LA, it's very diverse out here. Mm-hmm. At, the same, at the same time though, I don't care if my, you know, I got friends that's white, Hispanic, Korean, whatever, and we all walking together, there's a difference. And I need you to understand what that difference is. Exactly. And because I'm at the point where I'm just tired of people assuming shit, you know. So if you don't ask me, because I'm not going to make it my job to constantly explain to you what it means to be black while I'm already dealing with racism at work, you know what I'm saying? People looking at me uh, constantly trying to figure out how to cold switch or whatnot, you know, because I work in corporate and this shit is just fucking exhausting every day. But so if you're not willing to learn that shit, then at this point, I don't even know what I can do for you or how you can truly be a part of my life because I'm six foot four, 29 years old, black as hell. You know what I'm saying? I wear I wear my I wear my shirts, I wear my J's, I don't sag no more, but like at some point, you're going to have to know who I am as a black person if you're going to fuck right. with me at yeah. the end. And, and then you got to understand that what's a part of my culture that's not affecting you is not negative. Facts. You know, because we accept a lot of other people's, you know, flaws yes. and everything. Yes. But we don't let it affect us unless 
they're bringing it to us. Right. Unless they're, unless they're bothering us. We, we let them do whatever they want to do. Hell, we even shop at their stores. Yes. When it comes to us showcasing our, our culture, then it's an issue. Like, you know, look, if I want to say the N-word in front of white people, I'm going to say it. I shouldn't have to, I shouldn't have to be, you know, cautious about saying a word that I know that they can't say. That's on them and their ancestors. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't care if it makes you feel uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Because I've been uncomfortable all my whole life. Nah, it's it's what they it's what I told somebody. I said black people have constantly been learning how to adjust to meet other people's needs, but it's never been the same in reverse. You know what I'm saying? Or like how uh, Homegirl said when uh, we found out that Biden won, a black woman, she said, uh, "Unity is unity is cool, but freedom is better." You know what I'm saying? And sometimes in that process of being black, we end up losing hope in a sense, because no matter how high or no matter what accolades that we might achieve or have achieved, whether if it's personal career, it can literally change like that with the knock on your door from the police, you know what I'm saying? A sideways look and optimism and hope can sometimes feel like such a foreign language so that's how we're going to get into the song that you chose and i've not breaking broken down a gospel song but i asked Bela, i said yo i want you to pick a song homeboy sent it back he said yo optimistic by sounds of blackness i always get it reversed Why'd you choose this song? Because, um, you know, like when you like when you go through a lot, uh, and there's plenty of songs out there. And it's, I mean, not just gospel songs. You probably can True. find a, a few pop songs. You True. know what I mean? Yeah. You can find, you, you can find a lot of R&B songs probably to get you get your spirits up. But no, this track right here from beginning to the end, uh, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like there's a hope. You know mm. what I mean? So, um, yeah, I mean, as the, from the first time that I heard it to, I would say there was a year, there was, the first time I heard it was in 91, because I think that's when it was released. That's crazy. It, I was born but, in 91. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, look, see, you're part of history. That's crazy. Yeah. You're part of history. Yeah, but it was, it, I think it was released in 91, but 
uh, it was just one of those songs that you just heard because it was a big hit at the time. Mm -hmm. And then, but then where I originally heard it from was House Party Two, classic, and, which wasn't even a part of the soundtrack. I don't even think. Mm -mm. It wasn't a part of the soundtrack. So when I heard it, I was like, every time I watched House Party 2, I would hear it, and I'm like, hmm, that song sounds familiar. Song sounds familiar. Because it was just one of those songs that was just played out throughout my life, but I just never, you know, grasped onto it. Um, until one night, I was watching House Party 2 again. I've probably seen House Party 2 like 50, 11 times. And I finally uh, looked up the song, and I was like, "Yeah, this is this going to be one of those songs that's going to stick with me for a while, or even if not for a while, forever." I see. So, what does this song? I don't even want to say what does it mean to you, but like, what is the first? If you could describe this song in one word. Three words, actually. If you could describe this song in three words, what would it be? Um, I would say in three words. Three words. Like, mm. like optimistic, hope, relief, joy, happy. I would say positive, goals, um and and what the song is the name of the song is optimistic most definitely because in general in general i'm i'm very optimistic okay that's some, that's a very positive trait for a black man to have i'm not gonna lie it's pretty much an underrated uh trait if you ask me yeah i mean they, the going back to what we just finished dealing with the past couple of days with uh with the uh the, with the election a lot of people were a little bit nervous. Uh, anxiety was high. I honestly, I honestly thought Biden was going to win this whole time. Mm -hmm. Didn't know why. Didn't know how until it got deep into you know once once um, we seen Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Once we seen Wisconsin start to, you know, mm -hmm. then the, the Nevada was starting to act a little different. I said Arizona, <laughs> I, Arizona, out of all, Arizona surprised me. And I'm like, oh, it's happening. And a lot of people was like, yo, I don't want to celebrate too early because we never know what's going to happen. At the same time, um, I stay, I was optimistic when Trump was in office. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because it's like, I, you got to, in this life, you got to be able to maneuver. You got to be able to counter, you know? Yeah. And once you start to lose certain people or, or just lose certain things in life that really hurts, um, mm -hmm. if you still here to tell a story, <laughs> then, you know, you nothing can pretty much stop you. Yeah. Like... You talk about being optimistic during Trump's uh, entire campaign. And I remember, see, I've worked in TV news since 2015. So literally right when Black Lives Matter kicked off. Mm. <laughs> literally, uh, what, the year after, after my first year is literally when we started getting 
body camera footage of everybody getting killed. And right. I, I remember in 2017, um, Chance, uh, the rapper, he did a social media challenge called the Optimistic Challenge with uh, Kyle, um, the rapper. Uh, I think he's from like Ventura or something like that. But basically, they was just dancing to the song um, op of Optimistic. And I was, it made me do more research into it, into this song. And then prepping for this show, I didn't even know the song was produced by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. There you go. <laughs> Come on. Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame right there. <laughs> Come on. Like, literally, if y'all don't know Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, if you've been under a rock, he's literally... They, they, those two are literally responsible for any and everything that is Janet Jackson. Man, oh my God, they, <laughs> Janet, that they could be Janet Jackson. If they knew how to. Man, come on, man. Damn near uh, producer, uh, songwriting duo, forty-one number one hit songs. Uh, some of those number ones is like Mariah Carey with "Thank God I Found You," "Boys the Men" on bended knee, four seasons of loneliness. Their, res their resume is unmatched. Right. And those are just number ones. Like, I'm not even going into all the other, you know, battles and collaborations that they had um, with uh, Babyface. You know what I'm saying? Like, the same dude that mopped the floor with Teddy Riley when we all, when a lot of people kind of thought that Teddy was going to win. But, you mm -hmm. know, but Babyface... When he started playing those number ones, I was like, oh, he on Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis level, you know, yeah. and yeah. like the best part that I love about this song was literally how it was like five. It's a Sounds of Blackness is a gospel choir and they were basically a group on Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis's label. And it's about five voices that you heard on this uh, song, literally yep. people going back and forth. And one of the names, one of the voices that's on the song is from Ann Nesby, gospel R&B legend. When I first got in the radio, it was nothing but Ann Nesby because my mm -hmm. boss wouldn't play no uh, rap. <laughs> okay, it was Ann Nesby, Teddy Pendergrass, Aretha, you name it, Luther, all there. And I was just like, yo, I know this woman, like, because that voice, that voice carry weight. So, like, what was your favorite part about this song? I would say. The favorite part about the song to me was going towards the end of the song, you can hear the choir getting louder and louder as they repeat, as they keep repeating, it gets louder and louder and louder. And to me, that builds my energy. Like at that point, like I've already cried. So now it was like regroup, you know what I mean? But yeah. I'm telling you, as long as you keep, as long as you keep, like they just keep putting it in you. So where was the part that you cried then? Oh, it's always in the beginning of the song. The blackness. Keep it, keep on.
always. Sometimes I cry through the whole song, but towards the end, I'm like, all right, we we back to it. It did. It did. Once we get to the end with that entire buildup that you're talking about, now yeah, you finally. It's like, it's like it's like your battery is being charged up. Damn, so that's your favorite part then. That end. That that's my favorite part of the of the song by my favorite my favorite bar. Yes, please give me that verse. What's that bar? Uh, <laughs> um my favorite what's my favorite? The uh no matter how hard reality seems, just hold on to your dreams. that's the truth like reality is it's going to be tough it's going to be tough but we've heard it before and as cliche or corny as it may sound never give up just keep going that's the truth i'm with it because like i, I want to say my favorite if you're just talking if we just go bar for bar <laughs> on the song i would definitely say it would have to be in the second verse. I think whenever they start that verse after they hit the chorus, you know, it's like they're picking you up. And at the beginning, it says, if things around you crumble, you don't have to stumble and fall. If you think about it, when you're at your lowest points, you know, in life, whether if it's your broke, uh, just dealt, got your heart broke, um, fired or whatnot. And then so that one thing, that one really fucked up thing that happened to you, when it happens, 
then all of a sudden you're paying more attention to the negative around you, you know, and mm-hmm. you have to rem- you have to like reprogram your mind to say, no, this this is just life. And right now I'm dealing with the motions of this one catastrophic event and it's easier to fall towards a negative especially as a black person in america because you're old you're literally waiting for the shoe to drop but when i hear that part i'm just like all right i'm here you're right you know (laughs) like Genius and you and you and you li- literally and you literally just described your blackness. Yes, yes. You literally just did that. Yes, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. That's what I mean. Like the the bars that you just broke down. Like this is your experience in life. Yes, and this and this is why this song is so uplifting to me. Yes, no, nah, like um, I was literally just telling a homegirl of mine. Um, that out of all the women that I've been in relationships with or dated, they've never really understood my blackness, you know? And it's not, um, I'm not shitting on them at all. Trust me, leave. It's just a, you know, another part of your blackness is constantly feeling misunderstood, you know? constantly being misunderstood so it's not like you know they just you know were upset about it it's just when you truly understand what it means to be black even if you're african even if you're black yourself when you truly understand that shit it can be very daunting and stressful (laughs) you know don't you think it's ironic that people folks that's not black that criticize our culture don't you think it's ironic how it's hard for them to understand our culture but copy it oh i say it all the time <laughs> i say i say it all the time i don't, i think it's ironic um now i just laugh at it because whenever because this whole Black Lives Matter movement. Okay, since we're going into some black shit, let's go into some black shit. This entire Black Lives Matter movement protest that's happened this summer, mm-hmm. I can only speak for me. In Denver, I've seen nothing but white people here, right? Mm-hmm. And I just come to the realization that they were all out there is one, because white people hate it when they feel black, and two, they're just fucking bored. <laughs> if we're just being, if we're just being honest, because black folks die every day, right? You know what I'm saying. And whenever they feel an ounce of insecurity, injustice, they're out in the streets, you know. But they don't do it after the fact, you know. And that's the irony I have in it because you think about King, you think about Malcolm X, Megger Evers, you know what I'm saying? And so that's what they know. They just know to go out in the streets, you know, and protest, but they don't even know what they're fighting for. They don't even know what they're demanding. They don't even know how to get the change. And that's the irony of it. They'll play our music. They'll sing our songs, they'll eat our food. But when it comes to actually 
experiencing or really understanding. Let's just say that it's trouble. They're out, you know, and sometimes the only, the, the only thing that pisses me off is that they they will sit up there and, and they will even go be bold enough and go online and say how offensive it is for them to hear the N word themselves. But they will <laughs> roll up the window and say nigga to a rap song that they like. That's crazy to me. You know what I mean? It is insane. You know what I mean? It's like it's like that that privilege really pisses me off. Like forget everything else, but the fact that you feel offended or you're upset because you know you're not supposed to say a certain word, but now you're trying to flip it and say you're offended as well, and we shouldn't use it. Nobody should use it. Man, come on, bro. I ain't trying to hear that. Oh, man, I don't even pay them no mind. You know, like I used to make this joke uh, at my old job in Vegas uh, whenever my white coworkers would complain about something. And I'd be like, yo, it's the month of February. I really don't care about white people problems at this point in time. I, was like, I never really did. But I'm telling you, I don't even want to hear it right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And um, I always look at that as just people who really don't aren't willing to understand because you can find that in some of our own people, you know, like think about uh, all of these quote unquote black men who have joined Trump's campaign, you know, in the last five years, you know what I'm saying? Think about that and how they've had to compromise, you know, their own blackness. Sometimes at the sake of their own life, you know what I'm saying? Hurricane died of COVID, you know, <laughs> and nobody said anything. You know what I'm saying? Nobody, nobody said anything because to him, he's just Trump's African-American friend. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not a man, not a father, not a husband. And yet they constantly keep stealing from us. And so sometimes we can lose that hope within ourselves, you know, which is why it's hard for us to, and damn near scary to understand other people's pain because that means you have to understand your own as well. You can't understand somebody else's pain when you still hurt. Right. You know what I mean? So, but the thing is, I think it's just in our nature to care for other people. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's why we're so... I think that's why we're so animated at times is because I'm not giving an excuse for our actions, but sometimes you could just be hurt so much to where you act out. Look, look, I believe that every action has a reaction. That's just the way that I've always <laughs> been raised, you know, like if you talk shit, don't be surprised if you get popped in the mouth, you know, if you do good, then don't be surprised when good happens to you. You know, I'm exactly. huge. Exactly. I'm a huge this, believer in cause and effect, and with every action comes a reaction. This is why I said. This is why I said I was very optimistic when Trump was in office because I said if it gets too crazy, uh, I look. Th- this is my thing. We've been preaching this. This message has been preached before we were even born, before we were even thought of, even our parents. Yep. So the thing is, we got to stop. We got to stop engaging into these confrontations amongst ourselves and turn it around. Because honestly, 
you know, people was hitting me up and they was like, look, if Trump get us another four years, you might want to look into going to purchase some firearms and stuff like that. I was like, look, man, I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about that. Now I know I'm over here in LA, so it's different than Alabama. It's different than, you know, living in Florida. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, them white folks not about to be ignorant over there off of old block. They 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 nope. they not about act, they not about to go on Crenshaw and Slauson and act ignorant. They nope. pick and choose where they want to go to. Do they have KKK rallies out here? Yes, they do. Where over there in Orange County? Yep. that's where they go. They not over here in LA County. They not in Riverside County. They mm. not in they not in San Bernardino. They not in none of those counties. They know because it's very we're very diverse. Like. We with the shits. You go to Chicago, yes, there might be some racism out there in Chicago, but for the most part, if them youngsters got on the same page, oh, they're not about to go over there and do nothing. Nah. Not with them, not with them cats over there acting up. No. Nah, nah, it's not even happening. I love how you said that the message keeps going on and keeps continuing um, because. Jada Kiss is in my top five favorite rappers of all time, and I didn't even know that. And that's why, and that's why we're cool because Jada Kiss is definitely in my top five. One hundred percent. And he uh, flipped this song. He flipped "Optimistic" on his uh, first album, "Kiss the Game Goodbye" with the song "Keep Your Head Up," where he just literally had Ann Nesby singing on this. So I was like, "Ah, right, I bet I could, I could like this song ten times more." No matter what though, gotta keep your head up to the sky. goes out to all the infants in this cold world I was born addicted and to all the section 8 kids just remember these four words y'all we gonna make it the government keep on trying to fool us the system keep on trying to lose us and all we can do is keep buying computers and log on now for a start going down we gotta hold our head keep our pride though it hurts when I see people sleep outside little babies with no socks on eating popcorn we all know what they moms and they pops on out go to love when the drugs come they never got Nothing for Christmas and they ain't Muslim This is a jewel, a lot of us was them This is a jewel, a lot of us was them Kiss as much reality raps that he gives you, he still finds a way to make sure that you keep your head up, make sure that you're staying optimistic. You know, if you think about like where the locks and DMX all came from, and you know, it's either you fall or you keep your head up. You know, and that's what Jada did because he picked that up from this song that we're breaking down and put into his own and now the song is a classic it's timeless you can play it any and everywhere church cookouts you name it like there's nothing else you know that this song won't and can't do for you you know unless if you especially if you allow the change to happen and if you and if you allow yourself to feel those feelings and learn how not to get stuck in it and find and always find your way to hope and optimism
because like that's what we do as black folks at the end of the day you know that's where our love comes from you know whether whether if it's being traumatized or just living every single day every single day life at this point if you, if you if you talk to if you just talk to just talk to a random black person straight up talk to a, talk to a random black woman talk to a random black man listen to their story real quick it, let them run it down within five minutes you will see how much pain that they've been through that they're going through that they're getting through right you know what I mean and this track right here like you said you can play you can play this in the elevator. Yep. You can play this at the dentist's office. You could you could play this at you could graduate to this. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, you know, it just depends on like what regardless of where you play it, it's supposed to make you feel like you have a chance. 100 you know I, mean? I lost both of my parents. I'm raising I'm raising a family. I'm mm. married and I'm black. Mm. There goes my pain right there. Yep. <laughs> so I'm gonna turn this on, and when it gets to those last three minutes of the track, I'm gonna turn it up even more, and I'm gonna just zone out. One hundred percent, man. Hell, I fucked with this, man. I fucked with you choosing this song. <laughs> Definitely. Usually, I'm not gonna lie. I typecasted you. I was like, okay, he's probably gonna give me some pock, you know, if I ask him to pick a song. Hey, that's crazy. <laughs> like, no, probably... hey, look, when it comes to music, when it comes to music, I'm. I, I don't want to say I'm well-rounded because that makes it seem like I know everything. No, I I'm I have a large variety of of different music that I listen to, especially when we get to the three tracks that I'm gonna give you. Yeah. Because because they're not even from my generation. One hundred percent. I grew up on I grew up on the '80s and the '90s. Mm. So you know I'm a dinosaur when it comes to hip hop. Yeah. No, I would say uh, late '80s. Uh, Hip hop is is where is where it starts for me, mm-hmm. you know. Everything from Kane, Rakim, uh, N.W.A., M.C. Eight, Wu Tang, you know, Run DMC, Run DMC, L.L. When he was hot, if you're talking, if we're specifically saying late eighties, then that's I'm I'm talking to L.L. that. That used to look like he used to beat up people all the time. I'm not talking okay. about L. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about Lady Bird. Yeah, I'm not talking about heads. I'm not talking about that. My, hey, hey, look, it's not, it stops at uh, Roundaway Girl, and um, okay. my mom gonna knock. Yeah, man, like second yeah. round knockout. LL. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Watch out! Watch out, man. Yeah, most definitely. So that's the end of the breakdown, and so I'm gonna let. So at the end of every episode, I get a list of three songs that have been in constant rotation for me. But now I'm leaving it in Bela's hands. So Bela, what are three songs for you that have been in constant rotation? A constant. Uh, we got the first one is a young cat. Matter of fact, all these cats are young. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly where you're from. I, I put Chicago on them because I heard a song on the Chicago YouTube mm-hmm. uh, video I was watching. But I'm not sure, but I know, I definitely know he's probably somewhere from the Midwest, mm-hmm. and that's and that's Busy Gambino, hmm. Busy, Gam, Busy Gambino in the free in the freezer, and it's off his Black Black Heart um, baby album. Long 
quick to point out my flaws They always act like they don't have them Had to put my heart back in the freezer Say they with you but against you They so quick for the change One day they love you and they for you Then they sneak this and hate Had to tell myself like all the time That me and them not the same If I call you a real one Don't change I fuck with that selection. What you got for me for song number two? Song number two, Metro Boomin', Space Cadet. Mm. I kept hearing I kept hearing that track and I kept hearing it while I was in the clouds. And I'm like, yo, I really like this song. Smoke a lot of trees, need a weed plant. I did take all in where the lean at. Sleeping on these G's is a beanbag. Got red going jeans, cause I'm cool rap. Checking from my fan, life is fantastic. I was broke as hell, sleeping on the mattress. I felt like a hell when nobody happened. Hot shells jumping out, they send me automatic. Made it up by the car, got a new edit. Now the VVs with a V long jean jacket. They can see me even if you had 3D glasses. Made a bitch in the bikini, she from Calabasas. Got a pocket full of blue cheese and some green relish. I'm a psycho for these hunters, got a cash fetish. I've been studying these hunters, I'm a mathematic. And this love make me wanna buy my dedicated. This love got me geeked up, I don't need a hat. Drake goes, let these niggas know we've already. Expensive calls on my bitches, we ain't ball capping. Alien feel like I'm living on my own planet. Bought a spaceship, now I'm a space cadet. Big white mansion in my habitat. Aim a lot of stitch like a laser tag. Fuck a rich bitch, have a rich set. Smoke a lot of trees, need a weed plant. And I don't know, and that's the only song that I got in my library by by him. So, you know, I can be picky, but that song is definitely I like that one. It's been I played it a few times this week. Metro, all right, I fuck with Metro. He's uh definitely my favorite young uh producer, um in this era. I I I think the shit that he's doing that he's done with Twenty One Savage. Will never be duplicated. Um, in my personal opinion, that's cool. You mess with, you met, you mess with Hit Boy? Yeah, come on, man. I was fucking with Hit Boy with audio pushing them, man. You know, like I go way back because literally, um, in college, um, in one hallway was full of dudes from Cali. We called it the Cali Hall, and my and then three of them who I got really close with are from the IE. You know, and they put me on to Hit Boy. So I don't I don't even look at Hit Boy as a younger up and comer because I because I've been following him since 2010. You know what I'm saying? I, and, the, and what he did with Nas. Well, he I was just about to bring that up. What he did with that Nas album. Woo. You, Man. You, Yo, you, as literally has never been done before. Never. Never. From a West Coast dude. Never. Never. That was a good album. Never, never, never. But I will say this, transitioning, or Mm -hmm. I will say going into my my last track. Go ahead. That Nas album comes second to her album, which is Victoria Monet, Jaguar. 
This is her off the wall album. This album was so good. Yes. Like from I've never I haven't heard an album great like this since Confession. Wow, that's a take. R and B album. It's it's very musical too. Yeah. Very musical. It, it, it sounds between Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson. <laughs> At least the production. I'm like, yo, this shit is hard. Production is definitely hardcore. I fuck with that heavy man. I do. Yo, those are some fire ass picks. Alright. Hey <laughs> man. We got a little drill. You know what I'm saying? Some R and B. Yeah. yeah. Gospel. Yes, 100 percent So before you go, please give them all your socials. No doubt. So BTG, BTG for president, open run with BTG, a part of the Rare Signings Network. You can find me at Baby the Great on all social media platforms. That's Twitter. On IG, you will have I will have to screen you. I gotta make sure other cats follow you before you can follow me, because I do have family content on there. Um, and yeah, follow me on Twitter. You follow me, I follow back. I don't say offensive things on there. I think the worst thing I've ever said on there is I put sugar and butter in my grits. You heard that, man. You know exactly where to follow him and find him. Sugar and butter on your grits, Baylor. I don't know, big dog. I don't know. Well, that's all the time that we have for this episode. Again, thank you, Baylor, for joining me, for choosing this song. The blackness. Keep the keep on. Optimistic from Sounds of Blackness. I like it. Keep hope alive, man. I need to come up with a name for these bonus episodes that'll come out on Thursdays. I don't know yet. Thirsty, thirsty Thursday. Thriving Thursday, Thursday, 
Dripping Thursday. Either way, get ready for some more content. Bang, bang. In the meantime, in between time, y'all stay safe out there. Be responsible, because you're not invincible. Peace and love. My name is Doug. <laughs>